Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. So a great pleasure to welcome today's program, Ty Bordner, who's Senior VP of Marketing and Business Development at Amber Road. And today we're going to talk about how emerging technologies will transform the way we do business. Now, there are so many emerging technology buzzwords in supply chain logistics today that you can, you can probably fill an entire bingo card you know, with them. So the question becomes, you know, where do you place your chips, right? And which emerging technologies have the greatest potential to deliver the greatest value, not only in the short term, but over the long term as well. And, um, you know, how do you prioritize investments and, and how do you get started to, you know, um, you know, roll some of these things out? Well, those are just some of the questions we're going to discuss in today's episode. And uh, it's certainly great to welcome back to the program, uh, Ty, who's, uh, you know, was here earlier this year to kind of share his insights and perspective on these uh, topics. So, uh, Ty, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks for having me, Adrian. Good to see you again. Likewise. Well, you know, like I just said, I mean, based on all the buzzwords and, and headlines and industry publications, there's certainly no, you know, shortages of, of emerging technologies that have the potential really to transform, you know, the way we do business, especially when it comes to the global, you know, supply chain, uh, you know, global supply chain management. I mean, do you believe, let's, let's start a kind of a high level question. I mean, do you believe that we're on the cusp of, you know, real transformation uh, here in the industry? Well, I think so. Um, I think all, all signs point to that happening. I think, you know, the, the king of the buzzwords, I think, is probably digital transformation. It starts there. And then, and then as you pointed out, there's a lot more. I know we're going to talk about some of them. But, you know, I, I, um, this whole digital transformation phrase, I guess, to me, I would say about two to three years ago, it started, uh, started getting popular. Uh, it's, uh, it, you know, it means different things, I think, to different uh, areas of business. Obviously, we're talking about the supply chain and the global supply chain, so we certainly have uh, try to frame what that means in, in, in the world that we live in, Amber Road, that is. Um, but, I, but I think that term, digital transformation, like I said, means a lot of things. You know, how does it uh, represent itself in a solution? And the way that we think about that is, a, first and foremost, it's a creation of a digital model to be able to mimic uh, or represent all of the functions that occur around that global supply chain. And we're really talking global supply chain execution here from our perspective. So how do you, uh, what are the areas and how do you facilitate and help create more efficiency around the movement of goods throughout the world across borders? And it's, it's a big space, right? It's, it's certainly not a trivial thing. So, so that digital model is pretty big uh, in our minds. Uh, and, uh, you know, once you've done that, you can then help companies better collaborate, automate, and analyze the data that is that digital supply chain or that global supply chain, and that creates value. So digital transformation ultimately, I think, equals, equals those three things, which ultimately really equals value. And value is efficiency. Uh, I think first and foremost, you know, you know I can do things uh, at, a, at, a better, at a better way, a better cost, faster. Uh, is going to you know create a competitive advantage for the companies that are taking advantage of it, and then you've got risk uh, risk mitigation or risk management or lowering risk. You know having a capability to see and manage and control your global supply chain reduces your risk, and then you, you need your flexibility. You know agility is what we say uh, the ability to react to both macro level and micro level level changes. So getting back to your question, you know where where are we? Are we at the cusp of uh, of something big, I really think we are. It's 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 not something that happens overnight, though, right? Not everybody doesn't wake up one day and say, "Oh, I'm going to go, you know, uh, plug this app in and I'm, you know, solve my problem." 
it does take time and investment. And uh, so I think it's happening, but I do think, you know, we'll look back five years from now and we'll say, aha, yeah, there it was, there it happened. And, and again, it doesn't happen overnight. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think this is this, I, th- I think companies recognize um, or, or they should recognize that this truly is a, you, you know, a, a, a journey. And I think, uh, you know, I think in the last, the last time you were in the program, we really talked about that digital transformation and what that means and, and kind of yeah. what the values there. I think uh, you, you provide a nice summary there in terms of the high level, you know, you know, value, you know, propositions really beginning with that, you know, creating that digital model uh, of your supply chain. I, I hear different terms around that, you know, create a digital twin or a digital model. Right. But I think it really starts with, and I think one of the nice things about that is that it really forces you when you're creating that digital a model, it really forces you to understand how your supply chain works, right? And it really truly understand, you know, forces you to understand your end-to-end business processes because in order to model it, in order to, to create a digital twin of it, you really have to go in and, and, and really get into the weeds a little bit. And, that, and, those, and in just in that process, you're able to uncover opportunities where you can eliminate waste from processes or where the, you know, there might be some continuous improvement, you know, opportunities in, in all that. Um, so, so let's go into some of these technologies uh, that, that I guess are dominating the headlines today. And um, starting with blockchain, you know, which, uh, you know, has certainly grabbed, you know, the headlines this year. And, you know, once you get past the, you know, what is blockchain question, which always, you know, certainly over the past year or two has always been the most popular question, particularly from the practitioners, uh, you know, supply chain logistics professionals. You know, the, the next questions companies have is, you know, what are, what, what are blockchain's applications in supply chain management? And, you know, why is it a better, so, you know, better than what we already have today? And, and, you know, so when you approach with those questions, I mean, what, what's your response to that? Yeah, um, it's, it's a good, good question. Certainly, I remember getting asked about blockchain. I'm going to say it was not that long ago, maybe two years ago at a, uh, I was speaking at a conference and somebody asked a question about blockchain. And I, and I honestly, two years ago, I, I didn't, I didn't know what it was. I mean, I knew what blockchain was relative to say uh, cryptocurrency, but I didn't really understand how it might be applied to, uh, to the supply chain. Right. So obviously that's not the case anymore. <laughs> there has been a lot of, uh, I've educated myself. Um, and I think there's been a lot of companies that have, uh, um, are building, I'll say, apps to address certain specific areas. And I think you're right. Once you get past, you know, okay, what is it? Then the question now, I think, is, which I think people are maybe past the what is it. The question is, okay, well, what is it? Why would it be useful? Or what, do, what do I need it for? And I think that's an open question still. I think people are still looking at that and saying, is it a, you know, is it a, uh, is it a solution looking for a problem? Um, my view is it is a big world out there. The supply chain and the global supply chain are large and vast. I think there are applications that do fit the blockchain model. Um, you know, when you're dealing with the, uh, I'll say, trading or exchange of assets, those assets can take many forms. Uh, I mean, a, an export license could be an asset, right? Could be an import license or a permit or a visa could be an asset. You know, containers, you know, can be assets, obviously. So the ability to leverage an application or a technology, I should say, like blockchain to be able to trade and, and uh, maybe um, more uh, seamlessly uh, trade those assets between parties, I think that's where the value lies, right? But I think there's also a lot of things maybe where people are trying to apply blockchain where I'm not sure it works. I'm not sure it's needed. Again, it may be that sort of solution looking for a problem. So Again, there's no simple answer. <laughs> there's no answer like it works or it doesn't work. It's not a zero or one here, but uh, there's a grayscale. And I think some apps will 
will be good and provide value. And, and again, if they provide value, you know, if all parties are winning and gaining value in the, uh, in the application, then they will survive and they'll grow. Um, we, we look at blockchain as uh, not necessarily enabling our capabilities with blockchain um, technology, but we feel like a lot of the apps out there, especially in that global supply chain world, need, um, need their fuel is, is the digital data, right? In other words, a blockchain app by its very essence is going to need digital data. It is a digital application. So in order for that blockchain app to be fulfilled, it's going to need some information, some digital information to empower it. And I'm being very generic here, but, but we feel like in an application like ours or any sort of GTM application that has this digital model of the global supply chain, that data has been digitized. It sits in there. It exists. And now when a blockchain app comes along that performs a specific function, we feel like we can integrate with that application and we can exchange data and empower it. We don't have to re we don't have to rewrite the world in our world. We've got capability capabilities that help companies execute the movement of goods across borders. And we've got that digital data, that really robust set of data that is the transactional data as well as some of the master data that is needed. So, you know, maybe, maybe like I said, to summarize it, you know, having the fuel to empower those blockchain apps is, is where we think, where we think we, uh, we fit in. Yeah, no, I think you, you, you raise a great point. And, and certainly, you know, one of the areas that I see a, a good blockchain application is in the global train realm, right? There's a lot of, you know, it's, it's as you, you know better than anybody else, right? You know, there's a lot of uh, parties involved. There's a lot, there's the exchange of not only data, but documents and, and there's financial transactions. So mm -hmm. it, there's a lot of, at least on paper, a lot of, uh, you know, things like smart contracts, for example. And there's a lot of things that... Um, you know, about global trade management to lend itself well to, uh, you know, the value proposition that, that, yeah. that blockchain, you know, promises. But at the same time, I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you talk about at the end of the day, you really need to have that trust in the data and data quality in that information that's going to get put in that blockchain because, you know, otherwise you're going to end up with the same problem that you have regardless of what technology platform you have, which is, you know, uh, crappy data, you know, garbage in, garbage out, or crappy data being exchanged between parties, but just doing it in a, via a different platform, right? I, I, that, that is, I'm glad you said that because I feel like, you know, some of the folks that are out there developing applications are like, oh, it's going to be a blockchain application. Okay, yeah, but you still have to solve this complex problem of normalizing and structuring the data that represents that transaction. That doesn't, blockchain doesn't solve that, right? Right. Add some capabilities, but it does not solve that problem. So you still have to build that from the ground up. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, that kind of that leads me to kind of the next technology, which also is, uh, you know, de dependent, if you will, on, on quality data and, and really focusing on, on that, this fuel that you talked about. And that's, you know, artificial intelligence and, and machine learning, um, you know, which I, I mean, from my perspective, you know, it's an area that many you know, venture capitalists and private equity firms are, are, are investing in right now. It's just a very hot, you know, space right yeah. now. I mean, yeah. wh why, from your perspective, is there so much interest in AI and machine learning? And, and where are we today in terms of its use in supply chain management and kind of what's on the horizon? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really good question. It's a, it's a, I have my own views on this question, so <laughs> I'll espouse those views. You know, I, I've been in this uh, global trade management supply chain world for 24 years, the software side, right? I, I actually um, started, I think we talked about this last time, I started as a programmer and, uh, you know, came up through the, uh, through the technology side. Um, you know, 
I think the terms artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, are getting conflated with regular automation, right? So I think, and then, you know, this is what happens, right? Software companies want to use the hottest terms and want to use the buzzwords and want to say, hey, we do that too. And so every, every software company, I think, is saying they do it, when in reality, I think it's a small subset of what they're doing is actual artificial intelligence or machine learning. You know, um, you know, I think one of the classic examples of, of that is uh, the ability to take some of the ingested data of, of the history of what's happened and look at some other information and better predict the future. So ETAs, right? If I can take historical data or I can take real-time, you know, weather data and I can combine those and I can then use that information to look at patterns and look at predictions and, 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 and better predict when, when something's going to arrive, I think that's fair. That's, it's machine learning. I don't know if it's artificial intelligence, honestly, but I'll, I'll give it machine learning. So that's, that's a sort of one that people talk about, and, and that's real, and we're, we're, Amber Road is participating in that, in that as well. There's some other things too, but there's, you know, most of the things I think people are talking about today, it, 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 it's just, it doesn't rise to the level of artificial intelligence. It's automation. You know, and, by the way, it's not bad. I mean, you know, automation is valuable. Taking what, you know, humans have to do and letting a piece of software and, and a computer do it, creates value, it makes its speed, it's presumably uh, less error prone. Uh, you know, you got to make sure you don't have any bugs in the software, but you've got to, you got to make all that happen. It's really valuable. And, uh, but anyway, maybe that's just my pet peeve on this artificial intelligence machine learning. I mean, the, the, uh, the value of this, of th doing things in a artificially intelligent, Intelligent way, or I mean, it's great, right? Can be the, the, the rewards can be great. I'm just not so so sure it's as prevalent as uh, as a lot of the, the folks out there will will, uh, will say that it, they're saying that it is. But yeah, you know, you, you bring up a good good point, and this is something that I've I, I've also talked about. Um, you know, I know you're an engineer, so by trade, so I know you <laughs> maybe near. Yes, I'm an I'm an engineer, uh, so, so <laughs> I, I do get a little techie sometimes. And yeah. those, uh, uh, you know, I was, I was laughing because I've now been, you know, an industry analyst now for almost 20 years, and I couldn't believe it's been almost 20 years already. Time, time does fly when you're having fun. But I am, I do have the engineer, uh, engineering background, and I, I still like to get into the weeds a, a little bit sometimes. And I think one of the things that, that's interesting, and I think you, you just said it yourself, is that I think a lot of people, including myself early on until I started learning more about it, you know, they, they kind of use the terms artificial intelligence and machine learning interchangeably. But they're really two different things. In fact, machine learning is a subset of artificial intelligence. And right. I think, you know, we won't go into the weeds there in, in terms right. of, of that. But, but I, I, I think that, um, you know, the machine learning is uh, something that is happening, you know, today. Yeah. And, and you can yeah. argue has been happening, it has been evolving over some time in, in a lot of enterprise ap applications. And you see it most uh, prevalent today in, in, in some of these early predictive uh, capabilities in terms of, you know, calculating estimated times of arrival and yep. all that. I think th those are all things that, you know, the, these technologies now uh, right. with, with machine learning capability are taking some of this historical data, they're taking some of these real-time feeds and and learning, you know, from what's happened in the past and, and, and then be able to, you know, translate that into, you know, you know some of these, um, you know, some of these predictions. I think to me, and, and I, you, know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, or if you have a different perspective, when I see machine learning, is that it's it's a, it's a very different um, way of kind of just designing the algorithms, if you will. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the past, you might have uh, developed very static rules, business rules, and and 
and if this happens, then that, right? In this way, it's a little bit different. You're kind of setting up a model, and then as the system is learning it's, and, and seeing patterns, the system is, is continuously uh, adapting based on what's happening in, in, in real time or based on you know, what, what um, uh, past performance has, has dictated. I think that's a, good, that's a good way to describe it. I think instead of the rigid, you know, if this, then that, it's if – let me go out and gather a whole bunch of historical data, let's say, and analyze that data for certain patterns or averages or things, and let me use that to test the, uh, to test the uh, if that, then we'll do something else, right? And the thing in the middle, the that, can, can change, right? It's going to change over time because, because that's really what, what you I – like, I like how you described that, yeah. I think that's Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, to, to, you know, going back to my, my opening comment with, with this question is I think that's a big reason why a lot of the VCs and private equity firms are, are I, I would argue, are even hot, are more keen on machine learning and AI is because it's already being proven out there. Whereas blockchain, I think, you know, there's a lot of open questions yeah. yet and, and all that. But I think the applications are there. There's already proof points yeah. there. And uh, I, I think we'll probably see, from my standpoint, I think we'll probably see the most um, um, you know, real benefits and applications of this right. technology. I, I, I think I can say one thing. I think, you know, I agree with you and that was a good definition. And I think, you know, artificial intelligence is a high bar, right? It's, to me, that's like, okay, that's out there. I don't know that we've achieved that yet anywhere. Machine learning, yes. I think though that what people have to, have to really think about is certainly in the global supply chain today, people are not taking advantage of just basic automation. So, so you're, you're, if this do that, that's not even happening. So I think machine learning is wonderful and it's out there and we can do it and leverage it where it makes sense. But folks, you know, take advantage of, you know, the 90% of the automation capabilities that you're not leveraging today is, is, is maybe, you know, how, how, I'd, how I'd come at it. So, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a great point because you, uh, at the end of all my presentations, when I talk about emerging technologies and people say, well, what action sh should you take? And one of the yeah. first things I, I say is, well, number one, you should, you should define the business problem or the business opportunity you're going after, you know, before, you know, before you jump into any kind of technology. I mean, that's, it should be common sense, but you know, science 101. Yeah. Yeah. But you should definitely have, what's the objective? What, why are we even looking at this? But number two is look at your existing technologies and are you leveraging them to the fullest potential? Like, and I always give the example of Excel as an example. Right. I mean, you and I probably use 10%, 20% max of something like Excel's capabilities or words capability. Sure. You know, we use the yeah. same old, you know, same different functions. Whereas you know, if you really dive into it, I mean, you can do a lot of different things with some of those basic applications. It's the same thing with enterprise applications. I'm sure if you looked at your customers and some of the, and the capabilities you have versus what they're really using on a day-to-day -day basis, it, there, there's still a lot of, you know, room for, uh, for further adoption and, and, and uh, you know, growth there. Um, so, I, so I think that's a great, you know, that, that, that's a great point there. Um, so shifting gears a little bit, I mean, one of the technologies mm -hmm. that I, I think is, been around for a little bit longer, at least that the conversation uh, around that has been uh, around for longer is Internet of Things. I mean, it's certainly been a few years now. Um, I mean, has the, I mean, my question is always, has the industry made progress in leveraging uh, IoT and supply chain processes? Yeah. Well, yeah, of course, the term Internet of Things means a lot, right? It's, uh, you know, your refrigerator and your TV and your thermostat and your doorbell all hooked up Internet of Things. In the supply chain world, 
I think it really, for the most part, is is uh, information about the, you know, I would say to a large degree, the physical status of the goods, right? Where are they? What condition are, are they in? Have they been tampered with? You know, those sorts of things. And uh, I think we're making progress. I really do. I think there's been a number of companies out there that have focused on, you know, I'll, I'll call it domestic trucking uh, to be able to, you know, take advantage of, if it's not, you know, sort of satellite devices, uh, cell phones uh, that, that can communicate information about where the truck is. And then also some devices that are, that are looking at temperature and other things. Those are, those are becoming more prevalent. I know we are, we're not out there trying to go out and do that ourselves. But one of the things our application provides is that, again, go back to the, the platform, the central location for the structured and normalized data. So we, we've been gathering event information on the movement of goods, air, ocean, truck, barge, you know, whatever, for, you know, as long as we've been doing this, right? We've been doing this through, you know, the old-fashioned way, EDI and, and the new way, XML. But there are better ways to do this now. So with IoT and with companies that are helping to gather and be aggregators of this information, that's wonderful. That's great for us, right? Because we can ultimately do that in a much quicker, faster, better way and, and more coverage, right? Instead of getting, you know, 12 messages, um, EDI messages on, on a movement of a, of a good, we can get, you know, hundreds of, of, of messages, right? And, and more, more real time. So I think that creates value, you know, so presumably the companies that are, that are, um, that are, that are doing that are going to create value. It's going to create Amber Road value, but most importantly, I think it creates value for the, for the customer, right? They're going to get a better solution, more visibility, more real-time data that, that software can then automate, use to automate <laughs> and use to collaborate. And then, of course, you can analyze that data as well. But so, you know, we, we work with Project 44 um, as, a, as, a, as a company. I know I, I saw you at the, uh, at the Project 44 conference a few weeks ago. And, uh, and Savvy is another company that we're partnering with to help, to help collect this data. And um, so I think, yeah, I think the answer is yes. It's, it's, it's there. It's getting there. It's going to only get better. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think uh, obviously this real-time freight visibility aspect is something that's been um, uh, getting a lot of t demand and attention over the past you know, few years. Even on the technology side, you've seen a lot of mergers and acquisitions in, in that space. And, and you see a lot of, of partnerships taking place like the ones you, 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 know, you just talked about. It's really you know, getting to you know, the ability to, make, uh, you know, to uh, you know, bring in some of this real-time data because you know, the, 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 the time that companies have to make smart decisions is kind of, shr you know, shrinking. They have to make these decisions on a, on a much faster basis. And, yeah. you know, EDI still has its role, but it's just not, you know, aligned with kind of the, the realities of, of what companies are, you know, facing uh, today. And, you know, that brings me to my next question, which is yet the other topic, you know, this, this, you know, along the lines of the importance of making smarter decisions faster. And, and that certainly ties into, you know, big data and, and, and analytics, right, which has been, I think yeah. there, are, there have been countless uh, white papers and blogs and, and episodes like this over the past yeah. few years about, uh, about this topic. And, and again, it continues to this day to attract a lot of uh, in interest in the industry. I mean, what, what advancements are, are you seeing uh, you know, in this area and, and how are companies using big data analytics to deliver value? Yeah, I think that the uh, analytics and big data, I mean, I mean you know, if you if, if you come from the software world and, and maybe even that analytical world, you, you understand it, but you, maybe you didn't initially, you know, people want to, people want to often say, Oh, we'll go buy a tool, right? We'll go buy a, you know, business intelligence tool, a big data tool. And, and, you know, we solved our problem. Well, and, and, and of course I see you shaking your head. The reality is that doesn't solve 
that's not the problem. That's not the big problem, to use it, to coin a, a phrase. The big problem for big data is not the tool, but it is the data and the design of the schema or the database, right? And, you know, when you want to do sort of big data-like things, you can't do that on a transactional database because it, it doesn't scale. It's, it's, it's a, I can't go out and do time series analysis of my information, you know, across time and look at trends in a transactional database. I need to be able to flatten that data out, design a schema that works for that kind of uh, task. And then I need a tool that sits on top of that to be able to be flexible and, and allows me to go ask more questions, right? To be able to develop another question that I didn't think of yesterday, I can think of tomorrow. So it's a combination of the design of that sort of tool or, or application, which has got nothing to do with the uh, actual tool that does the does the uh, the work or the queries or the analysis, and then it's the data itself. So again, this goes back to this digital model. Like if you don't have a digital model and you're not ingesting the information about all of your supply chain moves into that digital model, then then there, there is no big data, right? So I guess that's what I guess I guess the question is: Are, are do people realize that now? Are they getting to where they understand that that's really the issue and the problem? Some to some degree, I don't know that we're quite there yet on that on that question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, and, and I agree with you. I mean, on, on the two important underlying, what I would consider fundamental things that are are important to really make, uh, you know, to, in order to be able to deliver value. I mean, one of the other buzz terms you hear a lot about is kind of related to this is control tower, right? So having these control tower sources. But again, I think in order for control towers to bring deliver value, you still have to to solve or enable the things you just talked about, right? That's right. I agree with you. Yeah. So, um, so when you consider all these emerging technologies, of course, there's, there's many more that, you know, we could talk about, but, you know, we're uh, running out of time here. But, but when you consider all, this, all these things that we just talked about, I mean, how would you characterize the future of how companies will manage supply chains, uh, you know, moving forward? I mean, what will be the, the, the biggest differences compared to today? Yeah, I guess maybe good news, bad news story there is, I think, uh, good news, there is a ton of opportunity, right? I think the companies today and, you know, everybody, everybody that we talk to and even our customers that are, that are maybe beginning on this journey would agree. It's, 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 it's just at the very beginning of digitizing the global supply chain. So uh, bad news is, you know, is we're at the beginning of the journey, <laughs> you know, so there's, there's plenty of work out in front of everybody to do this. Uh, you know, again, good news, I think companies like Amber Road, and there's others out there building building these capabilities uh, and investing heavily in building the capabilities so that, you know, in the end of the day, our customers and their partners can enjoy the benefits, the benefits of, of having a real true digital model, which then, as we said, you know, leads to better collaboration, automation, and analytics, which ultimately creates the efficiency that, that everybody's hoping to gain. So. Yeah, I mean, I think just to underscore that that, that point and, and the point about you know creating a digital model. I mean, I, I think ultimately, I think one of the key outcomes of, of all of this, if, if 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 companies do it right and and as an industry we do it right, is that we'll see less uh, manual inputting of data, right? We'll see less uh, faxes being emailed yeah, or, right, or right. Excel spreadsheets being emailed back and forth, right? Um, I think those are some of the, the key, uh, they sound simple, but I think those are the kind of some of the key milestones that you can say, hey, you know what? We used to spend X number of hours and X number of people yeah. typing in data or, or going from one computer screen, 
you know, swiveling over to some other application and rekeying in information. Right. Or, hey, we used to have to mail Excel spreadsheets back and forth or these documents back and forth and we have to print them out and then scan them in or do screen, screen, you know, uh, screen scraping or whatever. I think moving in the future, I think if we've done this right, we'll see much less of that and ultimately it, it, you know, that going away. Uh, by leveraging, uh, you know, some of these, you know, technologies and automating yeah. and leveraging some of these tools that we've talked about more, more you make, you make You make a nice point. Sometimes, you know, I forget. I'm thinking about really automating all these fancy things and doing that. And you're right. Sometimes just, just, just taking away some of the stuff that we really don't need to do today and we can leverage a, a, a platform or a tool to do it is incredibly valuable. In yeah. yeah. So, so, so as a way to wrap up, I mean, I, I know a lot of companies – you know, kind of struggle with how to prioritize, you know, emerging technology investments and, you know, mm -hmm. how, to, how to roll them out, you know, in a way that minimizes risks and, and, and mm -hmm. costs. I mean, what, what advice would you have for companies in terms of, again, how to prioritize and how to get started in all of this, how to get started on this journey? Yeah, well, I think all the things we talked about here today, and when we talk about these emerging technologies, you know, starting with blockchain and IoT and, and machine learning and uh, big data, I think, I think they all have a common element to them. And that is they still need all of those things need a place to be able to get that digital data from, as we talked about blockchain, right? So when people look at, you know, the daunting task of digitizing their global supply chain, and it is, it is as we've mentioned, it is large, they don't have to do that all at once. As a matter of fact, we wouldn't even necessarily recommending doing it all at once, right? But they need to have a place to get started. They need a base, you know, need, need a home base to be able to, to uh, build from, to be able to have, you know, a core piece of technology that they have the confidence in that can do future things. You know, I think also when you look at software companies like ours, you, you don't look at, you don't just, I think, look at what they have today, but you look at, okay, well, what are they going to do tomorrow? And where, where's that going to take me? So I think the key is, is, is just go ahead and get started, right? Um, take, a, take a piece of that global supply chain and solve for that and automate that. And again, there's many pieces, so there's there's a lot. But start with one, and then and then once you've done that, and if you've purchased the correct platform that can expand with you, you can leverage. You don't, you know, you don't, you don't, you know, it's not, it's, um, you know, you do a project and you do part one, you gain value. If you do part two later, it it doesn't take you as much because you've already got a lot of the things that need that you need to do anyway in the, in the second phase of the project. So I think there's some economies of scale there from a project standpoint. And I think you really just got to get started. I think that's, uh, that's, that's, you know, you got to convince your executives <laughs> or for speaking to executives. Now you just really need to start, start uh, with a piece of it and, and build it from there. You know, it's great. I'm, I'm glad you, you, you said just get started because I would say that is the most common advice. It sounds simple and, and kind of uh, uh, pithy maybe, but, but it is so true because I think there is so much you can overthink and over plan that you, you know, next thing you know, a year has gone by, two years have gone by, you still haven't done anything. And so, so the most common advice I hear from not yeah. only companies that have gone down this journey already and are making progress along the way, but from technology companies like yourself is you, know, you just have to get started. And where do you get started? Well, you know, really focusing on those, you know, small wins, you know, low risk, low cost opportunities that you can identify as a team. Um, and then success builds success. And even if you don't succeed the first time around, um, you haven't lost that much time. You haven't lost that much money or resources. Yeah. And ultimately you end up learning from that process. I mean, like anything in life, you end up learning from the things that don't right. quite go. And then you're able to reapply those learnings into the next, you know, phase right. or the next project. Um, so, so I think 
started, I think, is, is a key, key thing and then go and see where it leads you. Yeah, may, may, and maybe these technologies we talked about today will be that catalyst because people want to take advantage of these technologies. But again, I'll, I'll make the case that in order to do that, you still need, you still need a core application that, that, that can leverage you know, the data that's coming from these technologies or, or the analytics, the big data. So, so maybe, maybe, maybe that's a way to sell the project internally to take advantage of some of the up-and-coming technologies. But you, know, you, can, you can piggyback off of that idea and create a whole lot more value in other ways too. Right, right. Well, Ty, I think, you know, we, we covered a lot of ground today. Uh, but like I always say, you know, we, we always, uh, at the same time, we, we always just manage to scratch the surface. But right. I think you provide some great insights and, and ideas and advice on, on what's happening in, in the world of emerging technology supply chain management. So again, thank you again for making the time to be with us today. Hey, uh, it's always fun talking to you and uh, bantering some ideas about. So I appreciate the time. Thanks. Thanks very much. Great. Well, thank you. And, and thanks to those of you that joined us. If you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Amber Road website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or comment for Ty, you can uh, post it there. I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you all for joining us. and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.